Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Floor 9. This is our special holiday end of the year uh, edition of Floor 9. So this week I am joined by Angel Mendoza as always. Hello world. And exciting repeat podcast third member party our director of strategy, or excuse me, executive director of strategy, Adam Simon. Hello. Well, welcome. I am your host, Scott, and I hope you are all ready for a very exciting episode of Floor 9. But before we start, let me just give you a quick background on the lab and what we do here on Floor 9. So the IPG Media Lab is a specialized group dedicated to innovation working across the interpublic network. For over a decade, we've been evaluating new technology, identifying how it changes consumer behavior and media consumption, and providing our clients with actionable insights to help navigate the ever-evolving media landscape. So welcome to our podcast. Welcome to Floor 9. I have a question. Okay. How long are we going to go without intro music? Luckily for you guys, the big thing for 2018 in this podcast is to find intro music. Unless the audience doesn't like intro music, let us know. Give us some feedback. But yeah, that's on the roadmap for 2018. So, well, that's it for me. Well, guys, yeah. great, job. <laughs> <laughs> great year in review. Yeah. Fantastic episode. So, we'll just do a brief overview of the three trends that we've had this year, and then we'll kind of do some breakdown of how they developed over the past, uh, you know, 2017 year in media technology and innovations. So, we'll start with uh, advanced interfaces. So, advanced interfaces uh, is looking at unbundling specific features of the smartphone into discrete devices. So taking the microphone and the camera and sometimes other kinds of sensors out of the phone um, and putting them in in new devices or more often than not old devices that just have these new sensors in them and that are backed by artificial intelligence and cloud computing and all that good stuff. I could not have said it better myself. So with that, we'll start with Angel. What is your theme, sub-theme that you would like to talk about that you think is the most relevant for everybody to lend their ears to? You know what? Mobile AR. Granted, I honestly believe at this stage it's still novel, but I feel come 2018 we're going to start seeing better use cases, but from a partner standpoint, we're going to see companies begin to track beyond downloads and beyond just usage, but how people are interacting with these experiences. Um, So cognitive 3D comes to mind. And another thing that I'm excited about, which is again, I feel 2018 thing, is the Face ID AR kit and native QR code, code support with the new iPhone. Tell us more. Mostly with Face ID, like emojis, who, ha- who doesn't use emojis nowadays? With, um, what do you call the face? The Animoji? The Animoji. What's exciting is that once Apple allows developers to build on that, you're going to see brands take advantage of the Animoji, especially YouTube influencers, and use that as media. So one example is, I'm not sure if you guys saw, somebody... I think I'm not sure if he hacked it or not, but he was able to do a Rick from Rick and Morty, Rick and Morty and emoji, emoji yep. which is phenomenal because it's perfect for um, a partner called Quid, which currently does branded stickers and emojis for pop culture and popular shows and all that. So once that begins rolled out to third-party developers, that's going to be really exciting that's, to me. Yeah, that is a pretty exciting opportunity. And you know, when we mention AR, I think we also have to lean into VR as well, or like the lack there of it. Uh, I would think 
if we look at the trend, or at, at, the, at the very beginning of this year, VR was pretty big. There was a lot of hype behind it. But then with the major announcements from Apple with ARKit, Google with AR Core, I think AR really took off at the very you kind of like latter half of 2017. And VR is now taking a back seat, especially. And I think the biggest barrier here to VR is that there's just really no scale yet. Yeah. And when we look at it from like a brand perspective, 360 video advertising in headset seems like the most viable option, but the inventory today is not there. People have kind of shifted away from these VR uh, experiences and now are really looking more into what can be done with AR and how is that going to affect the platform. But here's my thing. Here's my thing. <clears throat> right now, it's in a great spot. It's, again, it's novel. But I honestly don't believe people are going to hold up their phone for AR experience multiple times. I feel like it's going to be download the app, use it a couple times, and never open it again. Well, I think this is what we are going to see in 2018 is the use cases that encourage people to do that. So we know that um, you know Snapchat and selfie lenses obviously were popular or still are popular, which is why you know Facebook mm-hmm. they're coming to Facebook and Instagram as well. And uh, Facebook is just announced today, the day that we're, we're recording that they are going to start rolling out the world effects as well, um, which is the their version of uh, Snapchat's world lenses. And so super excited to get our hands on that because you don't need an app install um, to trigger these. And mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how, how discoverable they are for users. But yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, the, the, the story about around AR is that we're figuring out what it's good for. And someone will come up with an AR concept that gets you to use it multiple times a day. Uh, we just don't know what that is yet um, outside of selfie lenses. And maps 2.0. Yeah. yeah. Maps are prime for uh, updates. Um, and I think the key thing to keep in mind with mobile AR is that even once we do find those applications, it's really uh, a, a long setup into uh, wearable AR glasses and that every tech company is working on them. They're still two or three years away. But um, we're in the, in the meantime, we're going to be figuring out what AR is good for, because uh, especially when you are asking people to wear something on your face, on their face, they're going to have to have a really good use case, a really solid and exciting and interesting use case for them. Right. And I think Benedict Evans uh, put it pretty perfectly in his... 10 years futures presentation where he's just saying uh, kind of AR today in 2017 is similar to what multi-touch screens were in 2006. So there's it's here, the technology is out there, people can understand it, but again this goes into that we just don't know what this use case is and people are excited for it, but we don't know exactly how it will all play out um, and that's what 2018 is for. So excited to see what happens. Yep. But what about you, Adam? Anything in particular that sticks out under the umbrella of advanced interfaces? Yeah, I mean, I think the other big story to talk about is just uh, voice interfaces and smart speakers and the explosion of growth that we've seen um, over the past year. Uh, we don't know yet, obviously, uh, how they're going to sell over the holidays, but it seems like it's going to be crazy. There were lots of reports of the low-cost uh, Echo Dot and Google Home Mini just selling out in stores on Black Friday, So, and they were down to prices of like $25. So I think um, unlike the problem that we're seeing in VR with relatively slow adoption of hardware, on the smart speaker side, by the time we get to January, uh, the penetration in the market in the U.S. is going to be pretty high. Uh, It was already, you know... 
it was already growing, but I think the, this holiday season it's just going to going to explode. So um, I think it's definitely something that we we've been talking about it for a couple of years now. I think we're going to continue talking about it um, as these platforms mature. I think what I'm looking for uh, in 2018 is really like software maturity on these platforms. The hardware is there; it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, how do we grow the platform to be uh, understand? you know, conversation more naturally and also to do more things, I think. um, And also, uh, I think we're also expecting uh, both Amazon and Google to introduce some kind of ad platform um, on top of their devices and their their, um, infrastructure. Also, I'm happy to say, Scott, you and I have some inside information that Cortana is going to make a big push in trying to get into this ring and actually get developers on board just as an FYI. Good luck, Microsoft. <laughs> I hope my inside I mean, my inside contacts not listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think Amazon and Google are are leading in terms of brand integrations right now and the ability to integrate into their platforms on both sides. Uh, I think it would be good for everybody if Microsoft and Apple also uh, sort of made a stronger push into um, opening up their platforms more. Uh, so yeah, if they're doing that, great. Um, let's let's have more competition in the space. Um, I, I don't know how many uh, how many different connected speakers people will have in their house houses. <laughs> oh, but, it's not speakers. <laughs> oh, it's not speakers. Oh. Stop teasing it. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we move into global culture? Theme number two of this year's outlook. And Adam, again, I will pass the mic to you as you seem to do better on the spot summaries than I do. So global culture is looking at our shift in media platforms uh, as they've gone over the top and onto the internet. Um, they've shifted from being uh, regional by default to being global by default. Uh, and obviously there are a lot of implications around that, but the two that we're really focused on are the development of these new mega channels, things like Facebook and YouTube that just have uh, audiences so much, you know, an order of magnitude larger uh, than the traditional media channels. Um, and then the, the ability to have micro channels, to have niches uh, that appeal to very specific interests and to, to still be able to make sustainable businesses on top of those niches because you can aggregate people from all over the world. Fantastic. So Angel, we'll, we'll toss the mic to you first, to your first uh, little selection here. So let us know. What are your thoughts? Esports finally is becoming mainstream. And this is largely due to the Rocket League Championship Series, the Overwatch League, and the crazy amount of investments that's coming from the NBA, the MLB, NFL, and celebrities like J Lo, for example. Um, so I, I didn't, I didn't know she was getting into esports. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. So are the New York Yankees, FYI. Oh, they are now exciting. That's you know, like you said, the Yankees, the Patriots, the Philadelphia 76ers, the major investment coming from all traditional channels. Just to name a few, and I believe seventeen of the NBA teams have, um, they joined or they threw their hat in a ring to participate in the NBA 2K league that's starting next year. But when it comes to Rock League Championship Series, I believe that's the one that really kicked it off because it's yeah it started last year. However, this past finals in in um, Baltimore, the event together got about 1.4 million hours of viewership, and it was a two day event, which was crazy. And just for those that don't know, uh, Rocket League are 
rocket-powered cars that play soccer. It's fantastic. Like acrobatic rocket-powered cars. Yeah, acrobatic rocket-powered cars. And if you'd like to know more about esports and gaming and, and our whole outlook on that, we've done a fantastic podcast uh, about that, actually, with the guys from Twitch, so we can drop that in the show notes yes. if we want to go a little uh, more in-depth into what esports and gaming is in that entire landscape. Uh, Adam, it's 3 o'clock, so you know what that means. It's time <laughs> for some HQ trivia. So HQ trivia, very quickly, is just a mobile trivia game that is live every day at 3 p.m. and 9 p.m. Users compete across 12 questions, and if you make it all the way through to the 12th question, you split the grand prize or win the whole cash prize. So usually we're seeing uh, you know anywhere upwards of like 300,000 users that play, and it's kind of becoming this hit sensation um, where people are kind of taking breaks at 3 o'clock at work and playing. I'll let you go ahead and talk while I play HQ Trivia. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, HQ Trivia, I think, is a great example of the kinds of new culture that pop up when you can aggregate uh, these large audiences through our smartphones and other similar similar connected platforms. Um, you know, it came out of nowhere um, and grew to, you know, it's regular, regularly now getting over 300,000 live viewers twice a day, um, which is pretty awesome. By the way, I'm going to throw this on Slack. There is an HU trivia competitor now. There is. By the guys who did Meerkat. So HQ is from the Vine guys, and the Meerkat guys are doing... Uh, uh, I, think, it I think it's called the Q. The, the, Q. Q. the Q. Yeah. Anyway, probably not room for more than one or two of these live game shows, but... Um, People have tried live digital distributed game shows in the past, and uh, it's exciting to me that this one seems like it's working. The other takeaway is that uh, that I have for brands is that people always think you have to do something super big and splashy, and the prizes on HQ Trivia are pretty small, especially once they get divided up by all of the winners. So it, you don't have to invest, you know, you know, like a million dollar prize pot if you want to do something exciting. Um, yeah. HQ Trivia is currently not loading on Scott's phone, and he's really angry about it. it. I'm very upset. <laughs> it, it really that's why I believe they're raising I think they're trying to raise 50 million they really need to build that infrastructure so this yep. because of this new player managed by Q that has a live streaming background from Meerkat when that first started it's a land grab, I think, I right now. I would love for somebody at HQ and and maybe and the Q also. I would love to see them on a panel talking about their infra infrastructure yeah. right now because um, they're <laughs> like scaling is not the the easiest thing in the world. But they should have been ready to scale to this point. If they were getting if they went from zero to a million users in a week, I would give them a pass. But they, you know, it started when they hit around two hundred and fifty thousand simultaneous users. Like I, I don't know. I'm very curious how this <laughs> is architected. Tough. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting, too, because now we've seen with Amazon just recently at their AWS uh, reInvent event, uh, they have now built out products uh, specifically for live video hosting, uh, exactly what these guys are doing. So it, just to make it easier for uh, different startups and companies to get involved and actually host broadcast quality level shows. So um, HQ Trivia, head on over to AWS for all your you know needs that you need for this <laughs> fantastic product. That's a free advice. That, yeah, that, yeah. that one's free. Yeah, that, that one's free. HQ, call Amazon. Yes. Uh, don't call them, actually. Yeah. They don't think they have a phone number. Yeah. <laughs> Sign up for AWS. Yeah, tweet at them or something. One other uh, interesting uh, tidbit here is that uh, Disney is also planning to launch their own OTT streaming service uh, for I believe ESPN will have its own separate dedicated service and then uh, all of Disney content will have its own uh, 
specific service outside of Netflix. So it'll be interesting how see how this all plays out in 2018. And are you sure Marvel's not going to have its own dedicated yes. one? Yes, confirmed. Uh, they were weirdly hand wavy about this when they first they had to announce the deal super early because mm-hmm. their Netflix contract was up and they were not going to renew it, so it was going to get out. So they had to make the announcement. Um, and they were Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, was very hand wavy about um, Star Wars and Marvel being part of the Disney uh, streaming service, and eventually rolled that back and said, "No, of course they're going to be part of it." But I could see that being too separate. I think it's streaming I services it's, for a lot cheaper. I think it's slicing it too too fine. I think that uh, if it is, <laughs> they don't need to manage fifty different streaming services. Like they're already going to have ESPN separately, and the Disney streaming service is going to be a little bit of a tough sell unless it has substantial content. And I don't see why they would make a separate Marvel has a ton of content, but it doesn't have quite enough to support a monthly subscription fee. I beg to differ, because that wouldn't be Disney managing, it would be BamTech managing it, who's super familiar with managing multiple properties, because they run the MLB app, the NHL app, they, um, what did I say earlier, WWE app. They're running all these streaming services. But but, But this is the thing, it's different age groups. So for example, Disney, they're animated movies, younger kids. When it comes to Marvel and Star Wars, it's a later age group, so why not? Well, I don't want Dis- Disney I, makes content across the entire spectrum <laughs> and they do that on purpose and it's it's yeah you're right that some of the brands appeal to different age groups and different demographics but at the end of the day if they aggregate that all into one property they have a shot at really being able to compete with Netflix if they don't they're going to remain each of them will remain more niche and it, you're right it's not like one strategy is necessarily better or worse it just has a different outcome and I think that Disney wants to integrate totally vertically and be the only place to get all of Disney's content is from them. And I I think that my theory on how this is all going to play out is that it's actually going to look more like Amazon Prime in that they will bundle things from other parts of the company into the streaming service subscription as well. So like the example that I think makes a lot of sense is... If you subscribe to the Disney streaming service, you can also buy Star Wars tickets in for theaters before anybody else can. That's a super easy one to do, right? That infrastructure is like easy to build and easy to show up. You just blew my mind. And how many people would pay just for that ability? And then, oh, of course, you can also watch all the old Star Wars movies, and you can watch the Pixar movies, and you can watch all the Marvel stuff. So I think, you know, I my theory is that this is Disney's big, uh, you know, swing to the fences, um, and I don't think they're gonna. Let anything go to, to risk. And then, yeah, if like maybe there is some, <laughs> they make their own skinny bundle and you can just get the Marvel stuff if you want for less money. But it, I, I think it's going to be under the same brand. Could be this Sling TV type model, but I actually, when you walk me through it, I concede. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I concede. <laughs> Awesome. But you also pointed out that they own a controlling stake in BamTech, which is also super important. It's kind of like, even if it doesn't work and they lose, they still kind of win because BamTech powers so many other services. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, we'll move into our final segment here uh, around the Outlook theme, and that is with augmented intelligence. And Angel, do you want to give this one a go, or should we have Adam do three for three? I'll go with Adam. Adam, you're up again. <laughs> he's a hot hand. Yeah, dude. Yeah, he he's hot. Past, yeah, he's past hot. Right rock. Now. Yeah. Hot hand. Sports. Love those. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so augmented intelligence is looking at using artificial intelligence technologies, but layering them on top of things like our global culture and advanced interfaces uh, to create new, more personalized, more customized uh, consumer experiences. Beautifully said. See? And I'll start us off on this section uh, with some updates from AWS and kind of getting into the whole world of AI and machine learning and how that's how they're approaching it uh, from the AWS perspective. So recently at their AWS uh, Amazon reInvent conference, they announced SageMaker. And this is a product to really help um, companies and brands to deploy, build, and train uh, machine learning at an easier scale. Because right, right now, when you kind of get into these um, kind of like really in-depth like machine learning, I mean, it, it takes dedicated teams to tune certain models. It takes months and months and months to actually build up this training data. So SageMaker is really... Um, streamlining this like this this entire process so like for example like you're able to have these notebooks that have pre-built instances in them that are highly optimized you know machine learning algorithms um, you know there's gonna be one-click training for machine learning and deep learning and custom algorithms and of course there's gonna be even easier training with their uh, hyper parameter optimization which is a tuning algorithm because uh, again as I mentioned right now to actually tune these algorithms, it takes like a dedicated like a team of like six data scientists to actually do this uh, properly. And on top of that, so that's just kind of like like the first layer. But they're also they also announced um, Amazon Transcribe, Amazon Translate, and Amazon Comprehend. And this really, I would say, plays more into the like uh, Amazon Echo Alexa world, where Amazon Transcribe is you know it, it can now recognize different speakers and kind of take in custom vocabulary. So use cases like they're talking about for this as you know, call centers, media, uh, just even transcribing meetings when it comes to their whole you know Alexa for business that they've put out there. Uh, Amazon Translate. Uh, they're calling this uh, a neural machine. And the idea is real-time translation powered by deep learning. So again, Hotels.com is currently using uh, this system uh, to power automated translations for customer re like reviews on like the site's listings. And last but not least, uh, I know I'm taking up a lot of time here, but Amazon Comprehend uh, is this, you know, you can uh, really extract information uh, from text and photos and like topic modeling. So it, it, like this machine can now like, can understand and really uh, lay out an architecture of what uh, this text was or what, or what this image means and like actually put meaning behind it and instead of just saying oh yeah it's blue and now there's like oh it's blue and it's an ocean and has you know more um, you know context around it and I'll pass it to Angel go ahead <sighs> for me it was a tough one yeah but I'm gonna go with the driverless cars. Driverless you know, cars? Beginning okay. to see more and more testing. And selfishly, I'm just excited about getting into one. So I'm excited <laughs> yeah. to hear more and more testing is happening because I kind of wish I was in Pittsburgh or in Boston trying to hail one of these driverless cars, Ubers, Lyfts, because I want to know that feeling. I am so <laughs> excited. Yeah, I think I'm so excited. I, I'm excited because we now have multiple automakers promising delivery of driverless, fully autonomous cars by 2019. So that's uh, a lot more aggressive than I think we were prepared to predict. Um, and uh, I think that that's exciting. So even if they slip a little, even if it slips into 2020, um, that means it's it's pretty close. Um, I think the biggest question that I have is will regulations and laws be ready by 2019 or 2020? Not even I a know, little bit. I, no. I agree. I feel like that is actually um, <clears throat> where a lot 
lot of the work needs to be done. I feel like none of the I'm sure the automakers are working on this, but I feel like they need to talk about it a little bit more yeah. in terms of like getting public support behind driverless cars and like you know pressuring lawmakers to at least start engaging with the issue and start drafting those laws now so that they are ready when the technology is ready. Yeah. And also, you said in 2019, great, but I have a feeling that that's going to be Midwest com- countries, countries, states. Countries. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Oklahoma. They, got, they have some serious border patrol out there. <laughs> Midwest states, because it's a lot easier, but when it comes to the coast cities, like where... Where what area? I feel like they're going to start with a closed circuit when it when testing with autonomous cars, but here in New York, where are you going to do that? Where are you going to block off to test this? So I don't, I don't know. I'm not that. No, I mean the 2019 thing is supposed to be a launch. So yes, I agree. It's probably it's not going to be in New York City. It's not going to be in Los Angeles mm. or San Francisco. Uh, it probably will be someplace with you know fewer people, uh, fewer weird streets, things like that. That's yeah. going to change my travel. Um, arrangements. I, um, if it's out in Midwest, yeah, why not? Let's, let's... We will definitely take a trip. Yeah, <laughs> to go ride into driverless cars. Feel I love trip. it. And I think this, like, like the last point for driverless cars, and we've already seen it. Uh, AV InBev, they already have, like, they've purchased fifty of Tesla's autonomous trucks. Logistics, so yeah, for like logistics and shipping. So that's is another whole sector that is also kind of. You know, trucking is also out there and making strides, and we already have a company that right now is on board and ready to do it, and then they placed an order. So, wasn't there a retailer that also purchased um, forty or fifty semi-autonomous cars or autonomous trucks from Uber? I, I believe Walmart did. Was that sounds yeah? I believe. Right. I believe. I'm not sure. Um, I'm just no. I, I'm I'm just thinking right now. It's like when we get into an accident from now on. I just. I don't know if it'll ever be the like like the the autonomous vehicles fault. I just like like like, like looking forward. I, I feel like I, it'll just, this will just prove out how much user error there truly is when driving. Oh, one hundred percent. Speak for yourselves. I'm amazing <laughs> behind the wheel. I don't really drive anymore. As Uber or Subway or Walk. But that's beside the point. So, Adam, what about you? What's your? We got some some more headlines here to talk about. What's your yeah. favorite? Um, I'm really interested in the uh, AI technologies uh, getting cost effective and um, and power efficient enough to be coming to devices like our phones and some of these uh, advanced interfaces that we talked about. Um, like uh, you know, the uh, iPhone 10 and iPhone 8 have dedicated uh, machine learning chips inside them, which is awesome. That's also coming to high-end Android phones next year, um, and that enables things like the uh, face detection for our face ID and an emoji, um, but also things like uh, like Google Clips, which is the little wearable mm. Google camera from Google. Not, not wearable. Not wearable. It's not. No, you place it. It's a clip. A you can wear it if you want to. I thought that. I thought the whole point was that you clipped it to your shirt. I don't think so. Can we <clears throat> I mean, reference check that? It's not meant to be worn. It's not meant to be worn. Oh, damn it! Winner. <laughs> okay. Payback. Payback. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Google's totally not wearable camera clips um, that you know does facial recognition to learn who you're interacting with. I don't understand. <laughs> I already thought that this product, no one was going to buy this product. Now I think even fewer people are going to buy this product. You have to carry it around with you and just put it on the table. Like, it's it's an awesome selfie cam. (laughs) Anyway, but like the ability, the fact that that can have 
can be doing local facial recognition and learning um, and pattern recognition to learn who you're interacting with most often. The fact that that's possible in a, in a cheap, relatively cheap, um, small portable device is really awesome. And I think that 2018, 2019, we're going to see a lot more of embedded uh, AI and machine learning in new places that uh, can fundamentally change how we interact with those devices. Yeah. And like I'll add on to that is that Amazon has also released their Amazon Deep Lens, which is doing all of the make machine learning um, all locally. And that is going to be like released, so they say, in 1Q of 2018. So keep an eye out for it. That, that's a camera too, right? That's also a camera. Yep. You can't wear that one either. Yeah. You can, yeah. Damn it. <laughs> That one also cannot be worn. She's going to wear all of the cameras. Yeah. <laughs> she get some spectacles then. I have some spectacles. We should wear it more often. Um, lastly, we uh, it's a quick note. Retail disruption. Had a fantastic episode uh, for Floor 9 about this uh, last week or two weeks ago. So we'll also put that in the show notes if you're looking for more information around that. But again, uh, CVS buys Aetna. And again, this decision can be something that you can kind of look to fueled by Amazon looming over like the whole pharma industry. So it'll be exciting to see where Amazon goes and how this all plays out. Yeah, we're going to spend a lot of 2018 talking about retail. It's a lot of things are changing. Um, Amazon is driving a lot of them, but I think all other retailers are now realizing that even if Amazon is not yet in their industry, they will be shortly. So yeah, yeah. And if you don't know, retail's in bad shape. Just preface that. <laughs> yeah, it's going through a shift. Yeah. Is is the best way to put it. Introducing a new section this week to end our podcast titled "Remember When." We're going to go through and review all of the major tech announcements that were announced this year and if they actually went live in 2017. So welcome to Remember When. As, as we mentioned, the Apple HomePod has been delayed, so that's not coming this year. Uh, Apple Podcast Analytics, which we're selfishly very excited about because we have a podcast now and we think podcasting as an industry is just on the up and up. So hopefully those come out soon. We have been talking to different uh, podcast uh, companies and they're, they've actually gone out and met with Apple about kind of what... I guess to evaluate their, their their analytics system, but still TBD on when those will actually be announced. So we still have some time before the end of the year. Can we take a, some bets? Sure. What, when do you think, Adam? When do you think? I honestly I, give me a month. I'm going to be super pessimistic. I'm going to say the podcast analytics are going to be delayed until next WWDC. So Ooh. it's going to be all the way into June. Wow. When when do you think? I would say let's put a 50 on red seven here. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to go with. I hope I, I honestly I hope they sneak it in by b- before the end of the year. So we still have some like two weeks left. And my prediction is that they're going to slide it in at the very last minute. I'm going to say March, right before South by Southwest. All right, I so like it. I, I'm, I'm picking March for the HomePod release. Ooh, I've, two birds, oh. one stone. Maybe maybe we'll have a weird Apple Spring event. It's been a while since they've done a Spring event. So. Oh, okay, that'll be good. It'd be like when uh, Amazon announced like all those random products, like the spot. It's like out of, out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Apple iMac Pro. That's still TBD. Nope, coming on Thursday. Coming on Thursday now. All right. God bless. Uh, Apple Pay Cash. Already out. Already out. Already out. <laughs> Amazon Prime Video for Apple TV. That just came out. See, Apple was really good at sort of slipping a lot of things in right there at the end. That's what I'm if saying. Your podcast analytics before the end of the year. If they got those podcast analytics in like next Friday, that would be really nice. <laughs> That'd be awesome. And Google Lens. 
Uh, Google Lens is, uh, I think, shipping is. I think it's turned on on the new Pixels. We're getting a nod from getting a nod from Richard saying yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. So they've started rolling Google Lens out to the the Pixel twos, um, and the only reviews I've seen of it have been really bad. <laughs> It's okay, Google. You'll get there. Last but not least, uh, Facebook AR Studios. That was, again... Just went live today. Just went live today. We've been kind of in the closed beta for the past, uh, excuse me, past few months, and now we can finally start developing. Yeah. They're still... It's still only live with the selfie effects. They're still not doing the world lenses yet, um, which is something that at F8 they indicated would be live by the fall. So they're right. they're definitely behind schedule with this. But can we... We can't even publish them live right it's just we, we can we can publish the selfie effects the selfie effects okay but the, cannot, world, the world the effects they the world said effects. we'll start rolling out to creators for testing soon gotta love gotta love a good soon yep <laughs> christmas morning christmas morning that's a, i'd wake up and be so happy any other big announcements that we missed that they said that would go live any drones that we should know about Oh, here we go. Fun story. Okay, I'll take it. So I think this is over in Japan, what they're doing. They're using drones to play loud music so workers don't um, work overtime to get them out of the office. So it's they're using drones to fly through the office space and playing loud music so people can't concentrate. That's not where I thought we were going with this one, but all right. <laughs> I, I love it. That's fantastic. Um I was going to say, oh, this year was super exciting. The robot wars did happen between the U.S. and Japan, and it was horrible. And now they're crowdsourcing so they could stay alive. Oh. Yeah. All right. Well, either way, it was horrible. And with that, if you're looking for more great content, check out our website, ipglab.com. Uh, you can hit us up on our social channels, at uh, ipglab, as both for Twitter and Instagram. You can go to check out our Medium blog for, again, more fantastic content. And if you like what you hear, share with your friends. Give us a follow. Give us a review. Uh, give us any feedback. We'd love to hear from you. So tell your friends. Thank you. And we'll see you in 2018. Woo!